You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm your co-host, PJ, a.k.a. Pastor Josh with Matt Shiles. Matt, it's always, always good to be with you here on Monday afternoon. Well, it's good to be back. Oh, that's right. You weren't, yeah, because we were live from New Smyrna Beach last yeah. last week. Yes, and uh, it was amazing. We had all of the senior staff guys, we were there, and we still managed to make it, I think, only 45 minutes. I think it was under 40. I, what? You know what? Derwin did a phenomenal job. Well, actually, it was Tom telling Derwin he was like not, you know, kind of pointing at his watch. Oh. And he, I mean, so Tom was somehow Tom Horvath. He, okay. he was the one that really, you know, stressed landing the plane. That and I'm like, man, I'm glad better. he's not here with you and me. Today, because it'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, Joe's over here in the back. We don't listen to We don't look at Joe. So, you know, <laughs> Joe and I kind of just thought maybe Derwin was using the, the hand signal for landing the plane just constantly with you. But but while I love Derwin, you do a much better job than, than Derwin. So, yes. So. Well... <laughs> well, you're right in front of me, so I think you have to say that, but I appreciate that. No, he, yeah, he did yeah, a, yeah. Uh, an yeah. amazing job of, uh, of of having a Matt impression last week, and um, <laughs> and yeah, that was a that was a fun conversation. I'm glad to be back. Um, so this week concluded our All Things New series. This was New Power. We talked about uh, the new Epcot. The main point was the new you is part of the new Epcot. The Eternal Prototype Creation of Tomorrow. And this was April 29th and 30th, Second uh, Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. We had an out- outline. We talked about three things. Uh, we asked three questions. What is the new Epcot? Why should we be so passionate about this new Epcot? And finally, how do we know we're part of this new Epcot? Hmm. So to start... I just want to uh, talk about this weekend a little bit, just in general. Um, we had another full weekend, didn't we? We had a benevolence offering. We had baptisms. We had One One Hopes, Fair Trade, Market. Um, I wondered if we can reflect on that uh, a little bit. And, and specifically, I loved how you talked about um, towards the end of the service as you were commissioning us out, you just drew our attention to all of these things we were, you know, drew us into worship, mm. right? So we were worshiping through this additional benevolence offering, and we were worshiping through the act of, of baptisms. Can you talk a little bit more about um, why this weekend was so special? Yeah, the, the, the thought that, that, that sometimes we have as believers is that we just worship through song, Right, And I just want to break that habit of thinking that way, is that everything that we do in our corporate gathering, and really everything that we do in life, we are ascribing worth, value to something or someone. And as believers, we worship 
the Lord. Like we ascribe ultimate value to him. And so when you take a weekend like this past where you, there's multiple elements now that we have pulled in together for that particular weekend, just drawing our attention to, I mean, just look at this was a full weekend. And so looking at what we are doing with with survivors of sex trafficking, what we have seen God do over the last several months with drawing people to himself and them publicly professing Christ as as king and savior and and then the and and the cool part about that is I mean you had adults you had kids you had older people uh, you had people from our community service program that we have here. So someone who is incarcerated, but is in a transition program that comes and that does their community service on property. He and his son were baptized. And then you had two sheriffs, uh, sheriff deputies that got baptized. Like, so you're like, oh my goodness, like, Lord, wow. I mean, so my heart's full there. And then you look at, you know, again, worship through song. The benevolence giving was really meaningful to me of just giving people an opportunity to just come willingly. Yeah, and just drop whether it's loose change, a check, or you know whatnot, and and so yeah, I mean it it was extremely meaningful to me, and I and I and I hope that every weekend, even if we don't have all of those elements, that we really do bring our best, and we we see that everything that we do is ascribing or should ascribe worth and value, an ultimate worth and value to the Lord. Amen. And you talked about the the generosity of our congregation yeah. and how um, it is so incredibly, incredibly generous week in and week out. And what's so um, helpful and unique, I think, about the benevolence offering is is we do physically we get to see that yeah. in action, right? So um, it's so much fun. I'm and I got a story. I, okay. I literally have a story hot off the press of how our benevolent money is being used. Oh, okay, okay. Great. So we had a person call up, fill, fill out the form, benevolent. Uh, one of our benevolent team members called this person and talked uh, with them about what their need or needs were. And at the end of the day, with, with all of the needs in some sense they glaringly had, they just said, we just need, we actually just need a, a twin single bed. And so we worked to get a twin single bed and we were going to pay for it. But what, what the cool part was is that the company we were going to get the bed from, mm-hmm. uh, so we're going to donate it to this person. Amen. And then somebody had donated a car. So you don't even have to give cash. You can also donate a car. If you get a car out there and you don't know what to do with it, you yeah. can donate it to the church. Yeah. Because this family, in in saying what they needed, they didn't say that they needed a car, but they had one car amongst this this fairly large family with, when I say multiple generations, because they're taking care of their parents. So they had one car amongst, amongst like, you know, four, three or four adults. And so we said, hey, uh, somebody gave us this car. And and they started crying Mm. over the phone. So they literally, they just told me this story. That's awesome. In in the uh, staff meeting I was in. And so, uh, but but yeah, I mean, we, and then just no benevolence. I mean, we are, we're wanting to care. So again, we connect with God and with others. We cultivate leaders and disciples. We care for people and resources, and we're commissioned to neighbors and nations. And so benevolence fits under 
uh, under our care arm. And so there, there, there really are so many stories of how through the generosity of our people, whether it's through money yeah. uh, or yeah. through the giving of a car or just through a, a, a business in the community, yeah. God worked, said, no, we'll, we'll, you, you know. Uh, That's so, incredible. Yeah, so God is being glorified through our caring. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and I really think that when we set up the systems and structures to do that well, he – he shows up and he mm. he honors that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know the the willingness. So we we create the system to do this, and then the willingness of the people. I mean, they were just jumping out of their seats. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then to hear hear those stories of how um, people in different spheres are able <laughs> to uh, to step up, and God's just able to show off. That's that's so yeah. cool. Um, and I did hear that we had 29 baptized. That's awesome. So we so we have a goal of o- over 100 baptisms this year. So in the year 2023, and we are halfway there. A little, I think, either halfway or a little over halfway there. Amen. And again, and again, it's not about the numbers. I mean, last year we saw 77 baptized and so we're just asking you know we're we're just asking God for for more I mean I mean why wouldn't we ever want to ask God for more people to come to know him right and so just kind of yeah. throwing out a number and to know that we're not even halfway through the year yet and and yeah so it it really is amazing to see what God is doing here and I'm grateful I'm really really am grateful to be a part of it amen so let's dig into the sermon so you referenced back to Genesis one again. I am shocked. Did I? Uh, man, I'm I shocked. Can't believe I did that. So my question is, <laughs> we're, we're just we're just you know kind of kidding. You know, I, I'm not not shocked that I did that. <laughs> so just I know you can't see our facial expressions uh, uh, via a podcast, <laughs> but just thought I might throw that one out there <laughs> just to make sure. Yeah, so we don't get emails. Yeah. Um, my question is. Do we ever graduate from Genesis nope. 1? I mean, Pastor Josh, there's a whole lot of the Bible that's past page 1. So, why do we why do we dwell on that so much? Well, because that's the only snippet other than Revelation 21 and 22 and I believe like Isaiah 60 that projects the future. Mm. But that's the only snippet that we have of what the world was like pre-fall. So pre-sin enter the world, we only have two chapters. Mm. And so there's a lot that we learn Mm. in just two chapters before the the, the sin hit the fan. (laughs) Boom! (laughs) I got Joe over there, yeah. So yeah, you didn't expect that. that. I did not expect that. No, 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 before the sin hit the fan. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, now if y'all are thinking about something else hitting the fan, that's on on you you. and not on me. Just FYI. So... uh, (laughs) Oh, you got um, me. <laughs> uh, Steve, do do not erase that. You know, it was kind well, of like the statement that I made off the cuff at eleven o'clock. I said I would rather you be called a wretch on earth than find out that you are a wretch in hell. Yeah. Like I just came in. I'm like That's shocking. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like the spirit just gave me a word, and I got you know. I actually did a little happy dance, even though I have no rhythm. And yeah, Joe. Sh- <laughs> I saw that the, the, the shoe did. The, the shoes did move. You. <laughs> so yeah, I have those little phrases every now and then, and they just they just come out. And, just and come speaking out. of editing it out, 
I was debriefing with Pastor Gus about last week's extra takes, and he goes, oh, yeah, I said something. I think they'll edit it out. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> he did say something. I can't remember what he said, but it was it was funny. Oh, Gus. He uh, was talking about the, how sweet the feet are. He, he was, <laughs> oh, that's right. He was trying to rationalize from a biblical point of view, you know, you guys talking about that's the shoes for 50, however long you guys talk about it. And uh, – and yeah, you called him out on it, so I appreciated that. <laughs> so, so you had mentioned again. I'm going to try to transition. I'm not as as good at these as you are, but I'll just dive into it. You had mentioned America is not your home. Yeah. If we are in Christ, we are Christ's ambassadors. And you really talked about this idea of the church is the embassy of the kingdom of God where the beliefs, values, and rules are different from the culture where it exists. Um, man, I think that is just a, such a fascinating thing for us to think about and dwell on and consider and just how I think so often we're holding dual citizenship um, and we're not called to. Yeah. Um, so first question around that is just, are there any books um, – that you would recommend around this area, because I think um, I think for a lot of us, this is so counter to you know our ideas and thoughts that that we might you know be able to benefit from. How, you know, who who has informed your your thoughts around around this? Yeah, I mean the the one that really just comes to my mind is to change the world, James Davis and Hunter, and and it's a pretty heady book. Mm-hmm. But he has influenced me in this. Yeah. Christopher Wright has influenced me in his book, The The Mission of God's People. And then when you um, – another book is uh, Laman Sane. Um, and, and I can't remember the, the title of, of his book, but – but there's an idea of discipling all nations, mm. and so again, you as believers, and, and and again, like even let's just say that we let's take off in some sense a believer hat, and let's just say, as an American citizen, we went over to another country and we wanted to become a dual citizen, you know, over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, which one is primary in our own eyes? Mm. Is it the one that we grew up in? Mm. Uh, or is it the one that we live in? Like at some point, even if you have a dual citizenship, you're going to see one as more primary than the other. Mm. So when it comes to believers holding a dual citizenship, mm. our primary citizenship is of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Like that is, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like that, that is our pri- like again. It goes back to ascribing worth. We are ascribing worth to the one who has saved us from the kingdom of man, and, and as Colossians would say, transferred us from the domain of darkness into the glorious mm. light of His Son. So, so that's who we are loyal to. Mm. That's who our allegiance is to. So that is our primary citizenship. But the cool thing is about our primary citizenship is that while we live in a, a foreign land with a secondary citizenship, God wants us to use our primary citizenship to be a blessing for the host country in which we live. Hmm. And but what I'm what what I'm afraid of and I and I did say this at 
at the Saturday service, and I didn't go into it because I'm like, you know, I don't feel like it really moves the needle. Uh, but I said, you know, I'll say it in extra take. So I just wrote, wrote a couple of things down. So we must not let our primary citizenship, so that's citizens of the kingdom of God, take precedence in our life when it comes to how we perceive those far from God. Because one of the things that I see here in America is that many Christians, they will look at people who are far from God, who don't think like them, act like them, who carry a different ideology, different ideas about something, and will immediately cast judgment on them for those things because our because what we're letting happen is our primary we're seeing our primary citizenship as American citizens, not as kingdom of God citizens. And so we get mad at these people mm. in a way where we want to cast judgment and we cut off this hope of mm. reaching them with the good news of of King Jesus. Mm. And so and what I've seen over the years is that for many Christians who are American citizens, they let their American citizens citizenship take priority of their kingdom citizenship and it hurts their kingdom witness. So again, if yeah. you think that you, however, whatever you view your primary citizenship is, it's going to come out in your behavior to those who who you would view as, man, they're attacking my citizenship. Right. And so, um, and so again, from from a kingdom of God standpoint. Now, again, the, here's some other things though that that I, you know, I would want you know to to kind of say is that I, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting that we don't engage uh, America as American citizens. I, I think we should. I think we should vote. I actually think that it is part of a Christian duty to vote mm. uh, because we have that right. And one of the things that we see with the Apostle Paul is that he leveraged the rights mm. of his of his Roman citizenship yeah. uh, for, for good. So I, th- I think that we ought to let, you know, God's given us these rights and living in this country that we need to leverage them uh, for, for, for the good of... Uh, of God's mission and for the good of others and even for the good of ourselves. And again, mm. he he did that. So so I'm not saying that we, we should isolate ourselves, but I just think that we need to just remind ourselves what our primary citizenship is. Mm. And it's not America, it is the the kingdom of God. And, and I, I want to draw attention to just a couple more things about this. So, so Jesus knew... That his kingdom was not of this world. He he told he, he told Pilate that, and then if you look at how Jesus entered into the world, and, and so at that point Rome you know Rome was occupying the the Holy Land the the Promised Land, but but how did Jesus engage really two particular cultures: the Roman Empire, who ultimately was over authority. And the Jewish culture, so two two cultures, one primary, one secondary, in the sense of who had the ultimate authority. And Jesus did not strive to change them by fighting, but by dying, mm. um, and mm. by forgiving, not through violence. Um, and so, and then if you look at the first three centuries. Uh, of of the church's existence, Rome wasn't turned upside down through Christians fighting culture wars, but through them enacting a faithful presence of reflecting the new Epcot. Hmm. And so again, we we are we're in this transition in America, and and, and yes, I, there's a lot of concern that I have with where our country is going, hmm. but the future of our country is not the same of the future of our eternity. Mm-hmm. 
and we must not let our growing concerns over the future of our comp- uh, of our country jeopardize our witness of the future of our eternity. Hmm. And so what we have to figure out is this third way where we do not wage war on people who are far from Jesus. Because the Bible will, will tell us specifically is that we do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and principalities of the darkness. Mm. And I know when, you know, and here's what, no one know we, the church has never been in this position ever. Like, so even in a, so think about it, even the early church was not in this position because they lived in a pre-Christian world. Mm-hmm. We now live in a post-Christian world. Mm. And, and so that's where I'm saying we've never been here. We, we've never been in a nation that once held Judeo-Christian values mm. who are now moving really, really far in a, in a rapid pace away from those, hmm. those values. Hmm. So it's a reversal, really, of what you see at the early church. So yeah. that's why this idea of a new Epcot is so, 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 and I'm going to say it again, so important mm. uh, because it's going to teach us how we can live in a faithfully present manner in this new eternal prototype creation of tomorrow while being embedded in in in, in the old kingdom, mm. the, the, the kingdom of man, like the yeah. old and new. Yeah. But never let our – and here, here's the thing. Don't ever let your oldness rear its ugly head to take away from your newness. Mm. Uh, because at that point, we will damage the witness of the church and what the witness of the church should be in a lost and dying world. Mm. And I know that there's wow. probably a lot of questions that people would have. And, and again, I'll, I'll just be vulnerable. Like, I'm wrestling with this. Like, you know, what? Because, what, what, again, it's not a retreat from engagement. It, it is is actually an advancement into the engagement of our culture. Like, yes, I I want to preserve morality. Sure. I, I think a healthier country is a moral country, right? So I think you know, and I could just go, you know, I can go even deeper in that. But but that's where I'm just saying this whole idea of that we're part of a new kingdom, and not only are we part of a new people and kingdom, but we again have a new purpose. It's reconciliation. You yeah. can't reconcile. You cannot preach a message of reconciliation when you're constantly demonizing the people that you're wanting to see reconciled. Um, And that goes for both sides. That could go for uh, believers who would hold maybe some positions and believers who would hold other positions on the right. Like, so so it goes for both. Like, you cannot preach a message of reconciliation that you need to be right with God when you are demonizing and not even, you know, casting judgment to the point of cutting them off from you. So, so, and again, because again, we have a new purpose, and then we have a new perspective. Like we have to see people the way Jesus saw people, and he either sees them as saint or, or sinner. sinner. Yeah. Uh, and Paul again, we we see these lists that he gives that there's no there, there's no division between Jew and Greek, slave or free, male and female. Mm. So so it's so it's not like he's he's exterminating our maleness and our femaleness or our our ethnicity. Mm. What he's saying is the way we would categorize people, because again, the way they would categorize people back then is for a Jew when they would categorize Jew and Gentile, we're superior, you are inferior, mm. and then vice versa. So 
what he's saying is that I'm eliminating the human categories that we prescribe to people, and there's only two categories. You're either part of my kingdom or you're not part of my kingdom. If you're part of my kingdom, you are this. If you're not part of my kingdom, I want you to know I love you. I've pursued you. Yeah. I want to pardon you. I want to purify you. And so, like that, that, and so we as as his people, that's how we see people. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And and really, um, you know, going deeper into that, as I was thinking about this distinction that you just laid out, um, I think it shows us a few things. And these are some of my thoughts. And and you can just um, kind of uh, respond to them. My first thought is. Wow, we are held to a much higher standard than we realize. Yes. Um, second, this idea of levels of engagement that we're that we're developing, um, in in membership, you know, within a church. What you were describing, I think, shows us why that's so vital um, for us to really create this distinction of of who's in, right? Who's who is committed? Yeah. Um, and who's who's not? Because without this distinction, how are we to, to communicate to a watching world how we're different? Well, no, yeah, and, and that that membership is that you're seeing yourself as a member of the body of Christ. You're seeing yeah. yourself as a member of the bride of Christ. You're yeah. seeing yourself as a member of the temple of God, as of the household. Like, and you, you see yourself as 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 yes, I'm part of that. Yeah. And uh, and notice, and and I, I had this conversation with somebody uh, to this weekend. Like, I, I didn't try to give a percentage of how often you're gonna you're gonna attend. I mean, because like that's legalism. When yeah. I sit here and say, well, you need to make sure you attend half the time. Now I do know that church attendance, at least on a consistent level, it's declined. Mm-hmm. It used to be three or four weekends out of the, out of the month. Now mm-hmm. it's one to two weekends. But mm-hmm. but for me, like that, that's not it. Like that, you know, when I when we start kind of talking about how often, like, or even the model. I even said this in at least one or two of the gatherings of going. Listen, if Northland's not your you know, style or model of church, man, and and house churches, be at a house church if it's like. The whole point is that you're going to be part of and connected to and see yourself as a member of the the people of God. Mm. Like and so and and if again if you've been made new, yeah, you're going to want that. And and so um and so it's not again about how much or how, or how little. Yeah. It's about the fact that you want to be and that you see yourself as I'm 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 part of his church. Yeah, so. and, and then understanding this this higher calling we have and the implications of that from a watching world, right? Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The, the stakes are higher yeah. than they ever have been. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And, and then finally, just, just this idea of we need to recover a high view of the church. And, um, and I think you were, really, you were really digging into that when you were talking about, um, well, why do I need the church or I don't have time? For the church, I think a lot of this um, really boils down to we just we just don't value the church yeah. as a society as we once did, and um, and if we are to be distinct um, as believers, we have to, as a community of yeah. believers, recover. We, we have to have a high view of the church again. Yeah, yeah, we have to have a high view of the church, and and I would also say that while. While part of the expectation would be on on believers to have a high view of the church, I also believe that leaders need to have a high view of the church, which means you, you know we 
we actually need to see, okay, what 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 does it even mean to be the church? Because uh, this was a few years back. We had a thing called COVID. And one of the things that I, I wrote in that, in terms of coming out of COVID, I think every church needs to revisit ecclesiology, which means the theology of the church. Like, what does it mean to be the church? And what why does the church exist? Mm. And so I think, you know, the onus is too on, on the leadership to talk about and then to make sure that we set up this high view of the church. And and also the the idea too of that is like it's not just a place for me to exercise my preaching. Like that's not the mm-hmm. only element of what it means to be the church. Like again, that's a part of the church is mm-hmm. is the gathering where the where the word is taught, but but also to make sure that there's a place where there is cultivation happening. And one of the things that that we talked about, and 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 we're going to contextualize this, but in how we even look at our life groups, mm. like so in medicine, we have this thing called uh, basically prescriptive care and, and procedural care. Is that if something is ailing us, there might be a prescription that 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 a doctor can prescribe to prescribe us, and then if there's something that really is wrong with us, or, or we need to have a procedure that if we didn't have this procedure, we die. Mm. I mean, what what we're wanting to look at is a, a third, and it's really called preventative, you know, preventative. Uh, life groups, uh, prescriptive life groups, and procedural life groups. Like so, what we want to do is show how, again, in a contextual way, uh, of how these life groups can help you. Like so, if you're part of this, this you know, this community, ongoing community, it really will prevent some things from happening if you if you sure. do community the way you're supposed to, mm. uh, according to the Bible. Mm. Like it, it could actually prevent prevent you from having a, a, an affair. Like if you're in really good, healthy community mm. where iron is sharpening iron, where there's accountability, like there's some preventative stuff. Like it prevented, you, it will prevent you from being, you know, you know, um, uh, an abusive person. Mm. You, you know, because you're constantly in the, you know. But now it, there might be some things that would be prescriptive. Like so, maybe maybe you have some teenagers and you you just don't know how. I mean, you're lost. You're at a loss. And I'm, I'm, listen, I've been there, Joni and I. We've been. I think we maybe we're still there. But here, here's a prescriptive life group that will give you some tools to help you parent your your child in their stage in a gospel centered way. And then some procedural. And a procedural life group would be like marriage nine one one. You know, it's like man, your marriage is on the rocks. If something doesn't change, uh, divorce is in your future. Mm-hmm. And so, but all of that to say, like we want to see. We want. We really want to try as leaders to bring to life the necessity mm. of the church. Same thing with care, benevolence. Show, you know, like there is a necessity that 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 is when we give to needs because there are people like so. So what we really want to do, and again, the onus would be on leaders to help bring to life the necessity and the family orientation. 
mm. of the church. Mm. And so just know that we are, we're continuing to pray, uh, ask the Lord for wisdom, uh, discern how we can bring this community more and more to life so that we might embody this new Epcot, so that we might elevate, the, the, when I say, what it truly means to be the church and to be connected to the church. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. trying to articulate it. It does, yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, that's really interesting, the prescriptive, procedural, and preventative. Um, and as you were going through those, I immediately was, was thinking about, um, yeah, there, there's all sorts of um, traps that we can fall into um, in life and the preventative groups um, sound yeah. fascinating. Well, and yeah. where that came from, I'm reading a book right now called Outlive, uh, yeah. the, the Science and Art of Longevity. So it's, a, it's actually just a medical book. Yeah. So it's, again, not a Christian book. And he's talking about we're in this, this era of medicine 2.0, and that medicine 2.0 is more reactive than proactive. Sure. So something happens, you got a high cholesterol, we're going to prescribe something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, got, you, you, know, you got diabetes, we're, we're going to wait till you get it. And then we're going to prescribe you something. And then one of the things that he, you know, that that this author talks about is how, yes, over the last hundred years, particularly in the West, our our age, we have definitely seen an increase in how and the longevity of just how long we live. But what he's saying now, in the last, you know, thirty, fifty years or so is even though even with increased technology we're, we're we're not even extending life out anymore but what but what we have basically just extended is the qual is is the uh, the quality of life hmm. so um and, or no 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 sorry not the quality the quantity of life ah. so so basically yes like what we've just extended is the is the quantity of life, not the quality of life. Because what he would say is the last 10 or 15 years of most people's life here on planet Earth, it is this constant prescription and procedure to keep you alive. Hmm. So what he's articulating is, all right, what are the things that you can do in your 20s, Hmm. 30s, and 40s in a preventative and a proactive manner, what he would call medicine 3.0, that that would extend the quality of you. You're still going to die at 80, 90, you you, you know, and and what it's so funny because he'll say the, I think he'll say like the median age is like 80 right now. And I'm like, uh, the psalmist said that. Thank you very much. The median age is 80 when you die. But, you know, it's just like it's in the Bible. And so, uh, but but what he's wanting to do is that if if some if the median age of you going to, to die is 80, instead of, you know, extending just the, the, the quantity of your life over the last 10, 15 years, dealing with whatever it is that's ailing your body that's going to take you out at 80, He's like, we, he, he wants to extend the quality of life so that you, in some sense, die of old age. Right. And, um, and, and so, so applying that, though, hmm. to the Christian realm. And this is where I think you know, this whole idea of the eternal prototype creation of tomorrow really comes into play hmm. is that what we really want to do is for us to prevent sin from taking us out because yeah. we have been saved from our sin. Yeah. And so how do we grow? And this even goes back to last week's message of the new clothes. Put off the old, put on the new. How do we learn mm-hmm. in a preventative measure 
to to continue to put on, put off, mm. so that we can live the life now that Jesus has redeemed us to live. Amen. So let's move on to that that second question. Why should we be so passionate about this new Epcot? Well, we know you're passionate about it, but why should we be passionate about it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Just a little bit. You know, this idea, the principle you laid out, control is tied to wonder. Let's just talk about that a little bit because, you know, the the church. I think we've just we've lost our wonder for the gospel, yeah. And it just begs the question: Why and how can we get back to it? And you had, you had you had pointed out, hey, look at Paul, because Paul had never lost the wonder. And you mentioned the wonder of Christ was tied to the wretchedness of Paul. and you said the depths of your depravity will determine the heights of God's glory in your perspective. You know, talking about our wretchedness, our depravity, that's not a fun thing to talk about. Um, but, you will, but you will continue to. Yeah. Why? Um, I, you know, I actually, <laughs> uh, I actually think it just makes you a healthier Christian. Because... When you can sit in the wonder that you were this, but God loved you too much to leave you that way, hmm. and then now he declares you forgiven, hmm. he declares you graced, he declares you free, hmm. he declares you his own, he declare. I mean, like, I mean, just go through all of the declarations. Hmm. That I, I I no longer like have to dwell on what my wretchedness meant. Mm. I can now dwell on what I mean to God, mm. and because He sees Jesus when He looks at me, mm. He no longer looks at my wretchedness. But I need to remind myself of my wretchedness. That's why Paul says, "I I, I was a chief of sinners," and, and, and but. Even as a chief of sinners, 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 but as a chief of sinners, God still pursued me, mm. and and so that's part of where I feel like that's that's healthy, and I think where where a lot of the shame and guilt that even happens in people's lives today, they dwell on their wretchedness without dwelling on God's grace. Hmm. Um, you, you know, but now, but 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 there's another element to this is that Paul would say, "Shall shall we continue to sin that grace may increase?" No, and and the reason why he would be able to say that is because of the wonder of Christ. Listen, he came and pursued us. He forgave us. He redeemed us. He saved us. He delivered us. Hmm. Why would I want to go back to that life? Yeah. So, so that's where I, th- I think, and, and then if you think of even the, you know, the, the various elements of wonder, desire, mm. curious, are we not, and I would even like to use curiosity, are we not curious of what our life would look like more if we dove into the depths of the gospel? Mm. Like really, do- like, like what does it truly mean to follow Jesus in every sphere? Mm. Like, because here's the thing, he's going to clean up your motives, like you, you on the surface, everything might be going well. You you might be somewhat, but but again, motives. He, he's going to clear up some motives if you if you let him get get into the recesses of your heart. Mm-hmm. You know why do you want your kids that good? Just so so that they don't embarrass you in public. Well, that's not gospel. You, you know because again, you're wanting their good behavior, 
uh, to not, you know, uh, you, you, want to, you want them to be good so that you don't get embarrassed. That's not the gospel. You want them, you want them to pursue Jesus. Mm. You want them to be good for God's glory, not not for the you know for for the lack of your embarrassment. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I mean by let let Jesus clean up some some actually motives. You know, like that's what I'm saying. If we allow Jesus, like, are we just not curious of what our life will continue to look like if we let Jesus explore the depths of our hearts? Uh, so again, curious sense of amazement. You're left in awe awestruck. So that's where I'm like, let's let the wonder of Christ take control of our life. Mm. Like here, here's another one. I mean, I, I, I mean, in, and I, I keep saying this to people and I don't think I've said it publicly, like, uh, you know, but I truly believe with all of my heart and, 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 and I, and this is my prayer is that I'll be at Northland until the day I, I, I retire. And I'm I'm hoping and praying it will be a good run of um, you know I'm 40 now so maybe 25 you know kind of 30 years, and <laughs> uh, Joe he's giving me some hand signals over here, but I but I'm praying and I I, I just wonder myself what would it look like for a church to be faithfully present mm. in Central Florida in all spheres of life spiritually socially culturally. Uh, and, and just the curiosity, you know, and the the amazement of what just could be if we let Jesus take control. Mm. Um, and, and so again, like I, I, I just want to be left in awe and curious, and in, in that and that curiosity to continue to explore the mm. depths of the good news that in Jesus's death and resurrection, He's making all things new. And how can we embody that newness, that new Epcot? Ooh. And it's all, preach, but, 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 and it's all tied, but it's all tied to his love. Like yeah. that's where, like his love, hmm. and and I always like to use the pro, you know, the story of the prodigal, the 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 awakeness that the prodigal son had when he had lost everything, eating pig slop. What awakened him in that pig slop was the love of the father of how the father left him when he wanted to leave the father. Hmm. It was his love, and and so so if Jesus's love awakens us, it would only stand to reason that his love would sustain us, mm. and that's why we're so passionate. Mm. And um and yeah and and I a little bit of my obviously my personality comes out in, in my preaching, uh, but I'm t- like I never want to preach a boring sermon because I do not serve a boring God. Um, and I want, and I wanted to come out that because here, this, this is what Paul says, and I and I referred to this, but so here's what Paul Paul says in verse 12 in chapter five. He says, "We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those um, who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart." And here's what he says in verse 13: "If we are out of our mind." As some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. So basically, there there were people in Corinth saying Paul is just out of his ever loving mind. He's crazy. Yeah. He he's like way out yeah. there. That's not the Paul we knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and he's like, man, if if I'm out of my mind, it it, it really is. It is for God. It's mm. because of Him. Mm. Uh, like there were even people that called him a bird brain at Athens when he was talking about like, and he, and Nadal, he passionately talked like as if it was true. Like, listen, when I preach, mm. I am preaching 
what I believe to be true. Mm. So, and my personality, it just doesn't afford me to sit there in a very stoic manner to say what I'm saying <laughs> is true. Like yeah. some people can, and it comes yeah. across. Like, but the, I, I'm an expressive person. Where yeah. I, I mean, yes, what I'm preaching, I actually believe it. Mm. I actually, actually believe it. Mm. And so. Yeah. So, and, and it's and it's born out of the love that I know God had, and does have for me. Oh, that's so good. I'm glad we talked about that. Um, so, the final question as we uh, as we wrap up, um, you had said we will make it our goal to please Him. So, this is under that last section. So, how do we control that last question? How do we control? Or, sorry, how do we know we're part of this new Epcot? And um, in this question, we will, or this this statement, we will make it our goal to please him. So um, how do we make sure that we understand the difference between pleasing him because we love him and not because, you know, we're trying to earn his love? Yeah, here's, it might be even good to think about it this way. Now again, I think we've set up the the understanding that we cannot please him in terms of working in our life to do things that please him to earn something, to earn his love. I mean, like you just can't do that. Yeah. But but here's what I would but here's what I would also say. Um, when it comes to pleasing him, yes, I think ultimately. We should want to please him out of our love for him. But if you have to start in some areas to please him as an obligation because of who he is, I would say if that's where you have to start, start there. And so because of who he is and what he has done, even if you cannot obey him out of a, a love for him mm. in this regard, obey him out of the obligation because of who he is and what he's done for you. Because, here's what I'm saying and here's where I'm getting at, there are some things in our life where it might be easy to please him out of love. Mm. I know that there are times when I, we, Joni, and I, we've told our kids out of love, out of our love for them, we're not going to let you do this yeah. or don't do this. And they, and again, they may, they may in like in some sense innately still love us, but to obey us in that particular thing out of this loving obedience for that thing, they may not can do it at that point. Mm. But can you obey us out of an obligation because we are your parents? Yeah. And then as you as you practice the obligation of obedience mm. because of authority, you will grow in that particular area of obe- of obedience through love. Because you will come to find out that what God wants from you in that area is ultimately for your good, and you will learn to trust him in that area, and you will learn to grow in love for him in that area. Hmm. 
but not every area in our life is equal in the sense of there are some areas that in our own hearts, because again, we're trying to put off and put on, mm-hmm. there are some areas that in, from, a, from a mental and emotional standpoint, we have blocked off and like, no, you can't touch that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't touch my money, God. Like, I, like I've worked too hard for it, or whatever it may be. Or yeah. no, you can't touch my children. You can't send them off to the mission. I mean, whatever it may be. There's some things, some areas in our life where we have we we have put up a blockade, mm. and and so when we are confronted with what God would want in that area, it might be hard to obey Him out of out of love to please Him, mm. but we need to do it out of obligation because of who He is and what He's done. And as we as we do that, and we see that he can be trusted, and we I mean we know I mean he can be trusted, but when we learn it through mm-hmm. through in some sense obedience through obligation, not obedience through pleasing, mm-hmm. uh, then then we'll learn to trust him more and more for every area. So that's where I'm just saying like if you have to start with obligation, start there. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, it will grow into this. You desire to please him in every area. So, uh, but again, well, the, the so. whole idea is that our goal is to please Him. Yeah. And so, I, I I would definitely you know look at what Paul would say is conduct yourself in a manner worthy of Christ. Is that how I'm living, how I'm thinking, how I'm conducting myself? Does it ultimately bring glory to God, or is it either bringing glory to myself, or is it defaming? Hmm. Christ. So, um, and, and and I really think that ultimately really summarizes the new Epcot because at the at the end of the day, when we fully get to the new city, I promise you, everything everything will revolve around the glory of King Jesus because we see that there will be no need of sun hmm. or moon to light, but the glory, the radiant glory uh, of God will light the new city. So that means everything will revolve around Him. Amen. And so we will live, and then you go back to the the human elements, mm. right? So so in this new city, personally, we will be fully right with ourselves and right with God. Mm. Relationally, we will be fully right with others. Mm. Vocationally, we will fully be right in our jobs and our careers and what we do and how we do it and why we do what we do. Like, Because I really believe that there will be a, a, a vocation, a, a job, a career that we would have in the new city. Life will happen. And then managerial, this idea of stewarding and managing. Like, yes, yeah, so we, we will, and, and, and Revelation tells us, we will be co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? We will rule and reign with him. So there's that managerial thing at the very end in the fully made new creation and thing culture what you what we will find in that new city that will be humongous is that a culture a people with their beliefs their values their products their artifacts their arts their entertainment that everything about that culture mm. will be for the renown of Jesus our king it will be done for him, and and so again, like that. That's the so if that's what it's going to be, ultimately everything pleasing him. How how should it be now? Amen, amen. I think that is a great place for us to end for today. Awesome. Well, 
Northland family and friends, we deeply, deeply love you. Grateful for you. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's Extra Takes podcast. Hey, if you haven't done this yet, if you would go on the platform that you are listening to us right now and and just give us a review. What that does, it helps us get the word out of this Extra Takes podcast where we dive deeper into the message from the previous week. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.